the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of January 31st. I'm your host, D. Swab, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac and Kyle McFadden. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so anything that happens at Ocala uh, tonight, you cannot say, oh, these guys missed something, because there might be something brewing a little bit that happened last Saturday at Golden Isles. Uh, you can't really hide it. It was on social media. I got the instant reaction right after the race. Kyle McFadden, he was down there at GIS as well. He was right there at Victor and Lane. Uh, the fiasco on Saturday night, as I'm going to call it, where let's see, let's just retrace my steps a little bit. And then McFadden, you can, I'll say if I'm correct on most of this stuff, and then you can come in and fill me if I miss some spots. So race happens. Mike Marler and Ricky Thorin Jr. get into it a little bit. Elbow racing, tracks getting tighter and tighter. Then Jonathan Davenport gets the lead, and then Ricky Thorin Jr. is catching him. They kind of get into it a little bit. Chris Madden takes the lead, crosses the finish line, and then right as the second-place drivers of Ricky Thornton Jr. and J.D. cross the finish line, you can watch the video, the yellow comes out, so it's not the leader plus three, only three guys cross. Ricky Thornton Jr. gets the spot back because he had to lead the lap before. Um, RTJ goes on to win $25,000. He gets out of the car, uses um, some cuss words. Uh, F it. Beep, beep, beep. And you're like, man, this guy's fired up. Uh, then you have JD talking to the media. Then they get on the podium. JD gives him a little, you know, a little shoulder shrug. Uh, Ricky Thorne Jr. kind of ignores it. He keeps smiling. He doesn't really kind of look back at all. Uh, I go to the victory lane. RTJ's mad because he claims that Marler and JD, you know, hit him under yellow, and he's fired up. How they come? They didn't get parked like he did last year at Deer Creek with Hudson. Um, you know, J.D. says he got rained over. That's not the way you should drive. You know, the whole whole spiel with that. Uh, Kyle McFadden, my pretty, my pretty close to what happened on Saturday night. Uh, the media, social media went buzzing. Everybody's giving their two cents. People are bringing back videos of J.D. against uh, Dennis Herb Jr. in the 2015 Prairie Dirt Classic. Uh, just a lot of stuff was going on between the fan bases. We kind of consider it maybe a rivalry uh, as of right now. If we ask the drivers, they might not think that. But Kyle McFadden, you were on the ground Saturday in southeast Georgia uh, in Brunswick. I got that I got that pretty accurate. I, I, I'm a good storyteller at times. You, you put that down pretty well there, Derek. <laughs> there is so much. Man, there's so much to like take away from that. I didn't leave the track that night until like two and a half hours, probably after the green or the checkered flag fell. And so, I mean, there's like so many different things that happened throughout the course of that feature. And then Garrett Smith, a completely unrelated incident, you know, with the with the tire mistake, the penalty that he had. I mean, if if he wouldn't have bolted on uh, the NL. MT3 on the right front, which you can only run twos, then, you know, how does, uh, you know, that change the complexion of the whole night? And then the caution too that came out for Tim McCready, right as Chris Madden crossed the line. It was just like, you look back over the course of that race and there was a few instances where maybe um, uh, the spotlight could have been taken off of uh, this, this 
this battle brewing that apparently like these two, uh, Ricky Thornton and uh, Jonathan Davenport, apparently they have a history that we didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. I don't think anybody knew about, but maybe those two. And I don't even think like, I mean, I talked with Jonathan Davenport, I mean, and Ricky Thornton Jr. But, um, you know, I talked with Jonathan more recently about this after Monday's practice at Ocala. And um, I mean, he's still trying to put the pieces together himself because, you know, he's not a guy that usually, you know, wants to, uh, he's not an instigator, right? And I'm not sitting here calling Ricky Thornton Jr. an instigator as if that's his identity in the sport. Let's, but let's face it, like, who started all of that on Saturday night, at least down the wire there, like in that feature, it was Ricky Thornton Jr. And in the mission that he had to, to not finish second. Now also too, I was looking back through last year and I don't know if you guys recall, but Ricky Thornton Jr. Led that very exact race and lost it in the last corner uh, when Brandon Overton got by him. And so I didn't ask him if that was kind of going through his mind too, or if he thought about that, if he was uh, of uh, just like going back through highlights and stuff on this time last year. And if he needed to do like anything differently uh, consciously or subconsciously to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So, I mean, there's just like all these variables that happen or that kind of like played out on Saturday. And so, but fact of the matter is it all happened. You know, um, I feel like anybody who was there on the grounds on Saturday was was like everybody there was entertained by what happened to some degree. I don't think anybody uh, came away who was at the racetrack on Saturday and watched it all play out with their own two eyes was sitting there and thinking like, man, like, you know, us at flow or you know, my story or our accounts of what happened, man, like that's not true. Like, that's not what happened all those people that are saying that are the ones who are probably sitting at home and, uh, you know, just, just didn't see it all play out and didn't kind of feel like the atmosphere and kind of like the tension because there was tension. And so, um, yeah. So what do we have from here to look forward to? Who knows? Right. Um, all that we know is that Ricky Thornton jr. I mean, he's won 30, 35 features now over the course of the last year in the dirt late model alone. And then we have a guy in Jonathan Davenport um, who isn't caught up in, you know, being power hungry and this and that, like he just focuses on himself. I really do genuinely believe that, but let's face it. uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. is finding more ways to win right now than Jonathan Davenport. And uh, you know, that 2022 season ultimately that he's trying to get, back to that form, you know, things aren't falling in line like they were two years ago for him. So um, for JD's camp, so you definitely have that going on. And um, ultimately, too, you know, we can go into this later, but I just think the blueprint in terms of, uh, you know, how a driver um, and what success and the road to success and the path to victory lane that's kind of evolving a little bit more over the years. I, I think that, you know, there's just a lot of ways to come at this in terms of, um, you know, how a driver should race his competitors, his or her competitors, and then how 
you know, they should handle uh, the heat from that if they choose to, you know, rough somebody up a little bit like on Saturday, like what Ricky Thornton Jr. did. So there's lots of takeaway from this, but you absolutely sum that up. And uh, I'll let Kovac comment on this too. Uh, Kovac, we uh, mentioned like, wait, has these guys have actually had some tussles in the back and you did some digging there. I guess last year at the Pittsburgh 100, you had some quotes there between those two guys that you found in a story uh, that maybe kind of just maybe planted the seed a little bit. There might've been other instances, but that was towards the end of last season, probably only like three or four weeks ago, the Pittsburgher was before the golden Isles, but how much we race now, but uh, it's a little bit longer than that. But uh, what'd you, what'd you find there? Well, I, I, I didn't like when I saw this in victory lane, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and I hear Ricky Thornton say that uh, if it would have been Chris Madden in the lead there uh, at, at the end, that he wouldn't have, Forced the issue. I mean, the track was rubbering. It was it was going one lane. It, you couldn't it, you couldn't make moves like you usually do. Um, and and Ricky did force him. You know, force his way. He, he he made a move that was more aggressive than he said he would have made uh, if it would have been Madden elite. He made a more aggressive move on uh, on Davenport when he saw some uh, open space. He said he took the inches that that Davenport gave him. He wouldn't have done that with Madden. And so. That was he was saying that because of like w- the past he he mentioned that it was there was like he he got dirtied up he felt by Thor by Davenport in the past and you know I I, I kind of went right back to the memory bank and I didn't there was I, there was never been some big incident between those two that you just remember off the top of your head like when you immediately when you think of Thornton and Hudson O'Neill you go back to the one at Deer Creek in the Go for Fifty uh, preliminary night that that he mentioned that he was disqualified because they had gotten into it and then Ricky ran in the uh, Hudson after the feat after that feature a preliminary feature was over and the back just kind of got to squeeze them into the backstretch wall and then there was yelling between the teams you know I mean it, it was a heated scene in the pits I've never I, I don't recall and nobody else seems that they could recall anything like that happening with Thornton in, in, in uh, Davenport that was so public so uh so well seen by everyone that everybody was talking about it. Uh, but I, I, there was some stuff that happened. I mean, one in particular would have been the Pittsburgher last year at, at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania motor speedway. And, and this was Ricky Thornton jr. Won, and, but he took the lead from Davenport with a few, like four laps to go. And Davenport ended up eighth after that too. Uh, he fell back quickly. And, and I look back at what I wrote and, this was coming from Davenport's side. Davenport thought that Thornton uh, was at fault in this one. He said it was lap 71 and Davenport ended up uh, sliding a little bit high in turn two and hit the outside wall, bent up his spoiler and stuff. That's what made him fall back. And then Thornton went on to win because Thornton made a dive to, to pass him on the inside. Thornton said, uh, excuse me, Davenport said that Thornton gave me a decision to lift or hit the wall in turn two, and I tried not to hit the wall with the right front, and I hit it with the right rear, and that messed up his arrow. And then his last concluding – I remember talking to Jonathan that night, and he was very calm. Uh, he, he wasn't – I mean, he, he's not you know, yelling or anything, but he made one comment that he, he made towards Thornton, and this is what he said. He goes, I don't know. I'm not going to give him as much room as I do anymore. That's all I can say. So, I mean, there is something back there was, I don't recall something Thornton saying in the same way, like that Davenport did to him that got him mad, but maybe there was something that before that, because 
you know, Thornton made an aggressive mood in that race. So it's just, there, there's some, there's definitely been some stuff between these two and, and it kind of boiled over right there. And we, and we need uh mute and, and, and Derek's on mute. RTJ even said in uh, the interview with me that, you know, that it's happened two or three times where JD is, you know, drove him dirty, at least in the eyes of RTJ. So I think it was just, we hit a boiling point at a track that was kind of getting narrow, starting to lock down $25,000 on the line. And then you have just, you know, two guys going for small real estate. And then of course, what's his name gets out of the car, says his stuff. And then I don't know, but Kovac, if you look at the short term history of dirt late model racing, Josh Richards, who drives aggressive, Bobby Pierce, who drives aggressive, now, Ricky Thornton Jr., he's so confident in the car, he's always going to drive aggressive. Like, if you're driving aggressive, you're going to win a lot of races. But on the flip side, it might be a smaller portion, but we just think it's bigger because when it happens, it makes a, we make a big deal out of it. You're going to ruffle some feathers a little bit. You can clearly tell with those three drivers in the last 15 years, it's going to happen, and drivers are going to take notes of it. I would think if you ask J.D. or Brandon Overton when they first started racing, they might have been more aggressive, but now they're seasoned veterans, and I think they're you know taking their time. They're not going to go in because like, hey, we might have done that before. We've learned our lesson. We don't need to be doing that again. Yeah, well, one thing too is you got to drive these race cars hard now. It, it, it's this isn't the same as like in the Bloomquist Moyer days, or even like probably into like 2010. Since in the last 10 years or so, it's gotten more and more. Like, ask everybody. You got to drive the car harder. You have to drive. You drive that car into the corners harder than you ever have if you're going to be good. And and that's what these, especially these younger drivers, that's the way they've grown up doing it now, too. That's This is the this is the car they know. The car, they, they don't know uh, the being patient and as much as uh, as other guys, as the older drivers do. And, and making moves slower and, and, and picking guys off, uh, you know, and, and with a patience like the, like, like they used to. Um, now, man, you're, you're, you're on it. You got to move. You got to take something when you see it. And, and that's going to ruffle feathers too, you know, especially when you go with a guy that doesn't race like that, uh, or, or wasn't, or, or grew up not in that same, you know, type of car where, you know, now they've had to adjust to that. Uh, and, and I, I loved, uh, you know, Brandon Overton's comments to you, Derek, after the race <laughs> at Golden Isles, where, you know, you're asking about like running on a, especially on a, uh, on a rubber track and when, what, what, what's the etiquette there? You know, like, I mean, what's, what's the mindset? What, what, what's allowed, you know, like, I mean, uh, do you just, just follow? And, and I mean, these are race car drivers. They want to pass people. They don't want to just follow. That's not their mindset. And then it's track rubbers up and you just got to sit there and do nothing. Never even attempt anything. If somebody does slip out of the rubber just a little bit, um, but I mean, of course you can't go running into somebody, but Overton had, had said, he goes, it's, it's about what kind of driver you, you want to be or how much <laughs> I, it kind of, it seems like I kind of like this interview. Yeah. It's sort of like <laughs> what, how much, how much, uh, criticism do you want to take? You know, I mean, like there's, there's drivers that'll be like, Hey, I, I just want to win the race. I don't care if everyone's mad at me. I don't like Ricky Thornton jr. Was almost like, 
you know, he got booze in victory lane and you haven't really heard that. He's always been, seems like more of a mild mannered guy, but he's, he's a big winner. So he, you know, he's intense too. You don't become a big winner without being intense and, and really wanting to win and getting mad if you don't. Uh, and, and it was, he kind of played in, you know, he, he, he jumped right out there and started talking about how they didn't disqualify Marler and, and Davenport because apparently he felt they hit him under caution afterwards. And, and he just kind of, he played the heel there. You know what I mean? You know, like he wasn't, you know, trying to, you know, get out of what happened, you know, he, he played it, he played it up, you know? And, and so he, he, he's accepting of that, like being playing that role, I guess, you know, like, Hey, I, I, I'm not going to apologize for, for trying to win the race. And, and that's, you know, that, that, that plays into a lot, like exactly what Brandon said. I mean, it's like, how hard do you want to run? Um, if you're going to take that inch, you know, and then, and then it gets accentuated, I guess, if you know that driver that you feel like that driver has wronged you in the past. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to go a little extra hard. So Kyle, I think for rivalries and racing, especially Kovac has seen it just like our earlier times, well, at least my earlier times at dirt on dirt. 2014 is a reminder when Bobby Pierce was kind of on the scene up and comer. Shane and Bab was the king of the summer nationals. Bobby and Bab got into it at Belclair because, you know, Bobby's being aggressive, young driver, kind of, you know, closes off Bab and, you know, it turns one and two at Belclair, tight bowl ring racing. Bab afterwards says, you know, he's got one coming. Well, Macon was a couple weeks later and he kind of, you know, get returned Bobby uh, into the wall like that. So I think it's like, the guy that's established, and then you have the up-and-comer who's kind of just taken over the sport maybe like one or two years. Maybe he's going to his second year, and he's starting to show out a little bit. Uh, I feel like Scott Bloomquist and Jimmy Owens kind of had a rivalry. Scott was on top of this game. Then he has another guy from East Tennessee, starts winning these big races and just, you know, barely beating Scott. Now, I don't think maybe it was, you know, a lot of crazy wrecks or anything or crazy uh, – Smack talk, but you can kind of just tell it kind of egged Scott out a little bit just because, like, Jimmy Owens was from the same area and starting to dominate. So I think maybe you could probably ask J.D. and the other veterans, no, that's not the case, but a little bit is when a new kid on the block comes in. We've seen it with Bobby. We saw it with Josh Richards on the World of Outlaws. People start thinking about a little bit when, hey, like two or three years ago, we were winning all these races. We're in the same chassis. This guy comes in, he's only been in like five or six years of dirt lay model racing, and he started to take it to us a little bit. And it one of motivates the guy that was the top dog, and he wants to stay being the top dog. So I think I think part of being rivaling uh, racing is exactly what I just said there. It really is. And so I think, like, when you think of rivalry, like I'll just the, – the term for rivalry in the dictionary is competition for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. I mean, if that's not rivalry, then I don't know what is. And so, um, you know, I did ask J.D., hey, is it too cheesy to call this a rivalry yet? And uh, he said bullcrap, but he didn't say bullcrap. Um, but he explained – he kind of backtracked his words – he said that in a way he, his initial response to that was in the sense of, man, like I honestly didn't ask to be roped into like any of this, but he understands from a competitor standpoint, like, yeah, like he, he's openly saying like, yeah, like Ricky's, I mean, he didn't explicitly say like Ricky's got one coming 
because or like if he's going to race them like in the heat race and he's just going to run over them run through them uh during a heat race or early on like in the feature like no like 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 let's get that out of the way like that's not what he's talking about or that's not like what we're talking about in terms of rivalry or like taking things personally it's just you you said it it's like it's the cycle of life right when like jd um it wasn't that long ago like jd couldn't be be beat right and also too you you look back through his 2022 season and i was also talking with him about this and like everything really went his way um you know from the draw sheet to uh being lined up in the right lane on a restart um you know timing moves in traffic um you know setups the team he had that year and i'm not saying that the team he has now is incapable but they're still they're still building that foundation or they're they're still working uh you know toward um just building a rapport amongst each other he's had some changes obviously like with that crew ricky thornton jr that ssi motorsports team i mean pretty much everybody there but justin tharp you know they've been with each other i think now for four years and so when you look at at the trends and you know what makes a rivalry a rivalry it's um ricky thornton jr's got like like he's got the power it seems like right like it seems like no matter what he does what he puts his hands to what he puts his mind to it, it comes to like fruition and that was the same way that jonathan davenport was in 2022 and it was the same way it was for brandon overton back in 2020 and 2021 and so um now it's just a matter of like how's JD going to respond to that? How's Mike Marler going to respond to that too? We haven't really talked to, we haven't really talked about him. You know, that's the third element in this too. Um, I talked with Mike Marler on Sunday there and, and this is, this is what he told me on the record. What Ricky Thornton Jr. did to me was bad. What he did to Jonathan Davenport was 10 times worse. And so, um, you know, how's, How's a guy like Mike Marler respond to this too? And I just think honestly, like this isn't, and this isn't an old guard, new guard debate rivalry either. This is just simply like, hey, like this is a cycle of life as Mike Marler called it. And uh, it's not the first time we've seen this, you know, as you portrayed there, Derek. And so, but it all comes back to like, Obviously, like back in the day, so to speak, like I feel like guys would 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 give more than they take. But as Kovac mentioned, and as it's clearly obvious these days, like you have to run these cars harder, harder than ever. And uh, I was talking with Ricky about this. Like if if you look at the top three guys in our sport right now, they're all from they're all cut from the same cloth. You know, Ricky Thornton Jr., Bobby Pierce, Hudson O'Neill. They all grew grew up in that Iowa, Indiana illinois region and so we're we're you know you have no choice but to get your elbows up and and find ways to make it happen or else it's not going to happen and so uh but what, what ricky thornton jr told me after saturday it's like you're not seeing it's not like the slow slick smooth guys aren't winning but they're not winning as much as they used to and so 
um, when you're talking and looking at a guy like Jonathan Davenport, Mike Marler, even Chris Madden at times too, or Chris Madden's in that conversation, and Brandon Overton is too. All the guys who are down in down in the South, that's not that's that's not what they that's not the style of of driving not even racing. There's a difference between like how you race somebody and then how you drive yourself. And so, um, but that's just not how they're used to driving. And it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to that. And so I, I, I know for one, and that's Jonathan uh, Davenport. Uh, I don't think we've seen the last of it between these two. And it's not like they're going to fight each other, like in the pits, like that's not what we're talking about. It's just like, it's literally boils down to like, okay, you took something from me here. Now, if I'm put back in that situation down the road, I'm going to take something from you. You know what I mean? So it's all a give and take. And so that's all that it really is to put this rivalry into perspective. It's not like these guys are looking to fight each other every single night. I don't think it's not like I don't think they're going to fight each other. I don't think they're going to fight each other. I think it might be the fans of J.D. and the fans of Thornton. And they keep getting altercations because they're the ones that are very vocal on social media. Uh, Kovac, I think it was probably a good thing. We had a couple days off where everybody can just kind of, you know, take a deep breath, just relax, big, uh, just take it easy. I think if we would have raced the next night uh, at Golden Isles, if we just did have an extra night, I think those guys would have been up front again, and then it would have been really uh, more interesting. But Mm. I don't know. What's your overall thoughts on this thing? You think this thing could be a huge, big rivalry in terms of, like, the competition, and they're going to keep you know, getting into it with each other. I think this one's a little bit different than the ones in the past just because both these guys had the potential of just being on top of their game at any minute, any given moment. I mean, I don't think JD's done at all. I think he could, you know, easily come out and win 15 to 20 races. Uh, so I think we'll have, like, that aspect on the track. But I don't know if it's necessarily going to build up to, like, where they're just going to start crashing each other. I think – I think both of them have a little bit more respect in that than like like than some other guys in the past who will definitely just go out and try to junk you. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's it's not. I don't. You've always heard this like oh, I'm crashing that guy next time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't really happen that often. I mean, it, and it's especially Maybe not the among, moment, like two seconds yeah. after, but they're not going to do it four or five races later. Yeah, yeah, it was good. They, you know, they that was the last night at Golden Isle, so they were able to get the heck out of there and not be around each other for a, you know, like just seeing each other in the pits for the for the for a day or two. And um, yeah, like that's you, they 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 the heat of the moment is really bad all the time. You know, like that's the word. You know, especially you get some you hear look look at the dome. I mean that that makes it even harder but when you stick a microphone in a guy's face and they're saying they're going to crash him and everything and um but i i don't especially when they're professionals like this they're racing against each other all the time and that's another thing though uh, will davenport race the lucas oil series man it'll be really interesting now if he does if he braces ricky thornton jr 60 times for sure on a series for a championship possibly in the top four deal at the end um and then if he decides to not run it uh, then they'll they won't they won't race each other quite as often. You know there will be breaks in there, and you know maybe this makes Jonathan not want to even have to deal with it all year long. You know I mean he doesn't want to have to um you know be in the middle of like a, a rivalry that's brewing. Which I mean it's it's a rivalry. It, it, like there there's always been rivalries. 
Um, and it, and it's because there's like kind of two different, like the personalities involved, the uh, factor in where they're from, you know, I mean, look, Ricky's from Arizona race really grew up race with modified and, and late model now in the Midwest. JD's from the South, like Kyle mentioned different styles, you know, I mean, those, those guys down South, that's why they do well at Eldora when the smooth slick, um, the patience and stuff that's involved there, uh, they're good in that rubber. You know, they run in the rubber a lot. Ricky hasn't run it probably as much in the rubber, uh, you know, in the Midwest race tracks and, and they have a little bit different personalities too. They're from different areas of the country. Uh, they're a little bit different in age. You know, Jonathan has many more years of experience in a late model. And then Ricky here all of a sudden comes in in his fourth, fourth full-time year, I think it is, and, and, and runs so well. That factors into a rivalry. I mean, when you have different factors in there, different things for personalities and everything, it, it, it makes a rivalry build. And, um, and when they're so good, you got to be good. It's not going to be, I don't know who cares about a rivalry if they're running 15th all the time, you know, these guys are running up front and they're going to be running for wins. You know, I mean, if they're, if they're, if there's a rivalry going on for fifth place, you know, that people aren't going to pay attention as much as when they're going for wins. And these guys are, are going to be going for a lot of wins and, um, Hey, I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I know media obviously plays into it, but then, nobody would get any attention. Nobody would get, we would be a great race car driver if there wasn't media either, because people have to know about what's going on. They have to know that a guy won a race. They have to know what, if a guy's having a problem and won a race, you know, if it's just the sport, every sport would be boring right. if there weren't some rivalries. You got to have rivalries. Look at the team, Duke, North Carolina, Ohio state, Michigan. It, these are just rivalries because lions Packers things go. Lions, yeah, well, that could be a good rivalry for the next 10 years, maybe, right? You know, so, um, but yeah, yeah, those are just, they, people don't want to admit it, you know, you don't want to, the, the, the people involved, they're not always going to want to admit it, there's a rivalry with somebody. Um, sometimes when you're really good, you don't want to admit that the guy that's coming up is, is going to be on your level yet, you know, and uh, so it, it's, it's just, it's part of racing, and it's fun, and it's going to make it's going to make more, it's going to make more interest in the whole sport. I mean, I had, I had some people that, you know, that are, you know, not in the late model racing asking me about like, um, uh, this weekend, what, what they watch the race and they're like, Thornton Davenport, if they have problems, what's going on. So it's, it attracts attention even outside of the late model world. Yeah. It's, uh, that's Saturday night and early Sunday morning going to like in the noon hour of pretty much before the, you know, playoff game started a lot of, Everything was on social media was just talking about what happened last night. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll be very interested to see what happens. I do. I will tell you one thing. Just Overton's interview where he says that a lot of people just don't give a shit. You know who the ones are. Uh, you, the drivers know who who's going to probably drive you clean when they're right there to make the move, or the drivers that are not. They're not going to maybe say it out loud, but you can kind of get that sense. Uh, hey, these guys are great to, you know, drive or drive with. Uh, and I think if you're leading, you know that certain guys behind you, you're probably not going to get a huge, massive slider. Now, if you look at the scoreboard and see, you know, one of those certain numbers, you're like, okay, here it comes. we got to be ready for it, how to combat it. But those here, drivers here, definitely like know a, what's going on. I'm going to comment on that too. You know, like um, when you're with the slider, like, you know, Bobby Pierce is behind you uh, and you could – probably sense there might be a slider coming. Uh, but I, I think when, when these drivers are, are aggressive like that, like a, like a Bobby or, or a Hudson O'Neill or guys that, that will throw a slider, 
you know, th they have to accept to go in the other way. And I, and I think Bobby Pierce has been a kind of really spoke well on that, you know, like I don't like that year when Brandon over Brandon uh, Shepard, excuse me, beat him on the last lap with a slider. It, it, and he kind of got Bobby at, at the PDC to win the PDC in turn four and knocked him over the, you know, kind of got him into the wall and over the cushion. Bobby Pierce didn't go running around the pits crazy yelling and you know in an interview that Brandon Shepard you know you know what he did if you're a driver that drives aggressive you have to expect it back I mean you, that's just the way it is um and, and you have to accept that I mean and people other guys are, are going to give that back to you uh if you just sit back and, and you're patient and you're and you're not gonna make that little extra move to win a race then um I mean, that, that's, that's your, your style, you know, and probably, you know, it's that guy who is, is aggressive, might, but you got to expect that they're going to do it. And you got to be, that's just the way it is now, I guess. But that's I, what makes it exciting. I mean, if everybody wasn't right. doing, people weren't doing that, it wouldn't be a very exciting sport. This kind of like, correct me if I'm wrong, Kovac, this little thing that's going on with these two drivers I th they're both great drivers. Uh, I think it kind of reminds me of Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon a little bit, like when Jeff Gordon came on the scene, and then he started winning, you know, a couple years later. And, you know, Dale Earnhardt was kind of not used to a guy coming in like that and, you know, kind of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, which we need in that sport. We don't want anybody to back down. But I don't know, that, my sense is it's kind of like those two. Maybe they're not crashing into each other a lot, but you can tell it's going to bug each, each one of them when something little happens on the racetrack. Hey, hey, how about this? You know, that victory lane, that podium, when, when Jonathan came up and gave, you know, he just kind of leaned in the Ricky and gave him a little bit of a, you know, a playful, but a shove elbow, but like with something behind it, that is exactly what Dale Earnhardt would have done. That's the kind of thing Dale Earnhardt would do. He'd come up. I'm, I'm sure, I think he's done that. I think he might've come up behind Jeff Gordon, probably video of him, like giving him like, where a it kind of looks like he's joking, but he's still PO. Yeah. <laughs> But, he, but he's sending a message. He's sending a like right. a, a message through a smile, you know, and, and, and Jonathan, you know, Jonathan's a bigger guy, you know, he's like, you know, he's, he's the rancher, right? He's a little different. He's again, different than Ricky Thornton. Ricky's not as big as Jonathan, you know, so Jonathan could, you know, get a little bit of, he's the veteran too. And he can give a little, you know, just a little message there, like without, you know, attacking a guy and wrestling them to the ground or punching them or anything. Um, but that is exactly the kind of thing. I mean, you never saw Dale Earnhardt wasn't getting, maybe he went in fights way back before we, you know, when, and when he was growing up, but you know, in NASCAR time, he wasn't getting in fights with people. There was a lot of controversy, but he would have that little smile on his face and get a little message across to somebody with a little bump here and there. And that, that kind of reminded me totally of, of Jonathan there in victory lane, just like that veteran guy, you know, Hey, you know, they just, just, I wasn't happy with the way you passed me. All right, really quick. Let's just go around. What is your favorite, like Kyle, what's one of your favorite, like, rivalry moments that you've seen in racing it doesn't have to necessarily be dirt late model racing what would you pick oh my gosh um i mean uh i remember you know like 10 years ago like kyle bush and dale earnhardt jr had their little beef and running um i mean just like i remember those moments like as a kid obviously dale senior and jeff gordon um Oh my gosh. I don't, uh, yeah, I, I just like, remember those moments like necessarily of, um, yeah, heat of the moment. 
uh, Kyle Busch, he dumped, I think, Dale Jr. at, at Richmond back in like 08 or 09 or somewhere like in that time frame and uh, carried on over throughout that season or for a little bit. But <clears throat> I, uh, that's one that comes to mind for me. All right, Kovac, you, you, there's got to be a big block one. I mean, the doctor, was he involved with any rivalries? Uh, Matt, you know, I, as soon as you say the doctor, it was totally uh, uh, the doctor, Danny Johnson. You know, he did do some late mile racing, too, and back in like 2009 or so with the Outlaws. But um, uh, Danny Johnson and Brett Hearn, uh, you know, one of the you know all time greats of modified racing. Also, those two guys were, you know, Brett was like the the very, you know, polished, good talker, you know, good looking guy. Uh, you know, he, and then Danny was the, you know, the other side of the tracks rougher around the edges, you know, he didn't speak as well. And he told me that too, you know, like when, you know, he goes, I, I just, I, I see Brett, I wish I could speak that well, he would tell me, you know, and, and, uh, and those guys would, they were the, they were two great drivers, especially I'm talking, especially through the nineties when I was covering, uh, you know, big blocks all the time. I mean, there were times that, you know, they would get into it and Brett would end up getting a bad end sometimes because Danny just seemed like he always came out on, you know, just came out, smell like a rose, no matter, even if he was a, the aggressor. Um, and then there was 1997, these two guys tied for the uh, Mr. Dirt championship. And, and just to talk about a rivalry and doing it in a fun way. I mean, they'd had plenty of scrapes all year and stuff. And then they go to the, the, the dirt motorsports banquet that year was up in Montreal, Quebec. And, and I'll never forget, you know, like th there's a tie for the championship. So they're like, all right, this is the way we're going to we're going to decide it. And they had somebody had made up these bar stools, like motorized bar stools, you know, like uh, little, you, you sit on this thing up high and it's like mo it moves around, you know, and and they said, all right, Danny and Brett, get out here, put you on the dance floor and you guys are going to put they're going to make a little track here. You race it out. And these two guys that are super rivals. I mean, there's no doubt they were rivals. They I mean, these guys didn't talk or anything, really. And here they are in their suits on the dance floor on these motorized you know, motorized bar stools bumping. And then, of course, and Danny bumped into Brett. It was so funny, too. You know, I'll never forget that. And, but th those are you know, like that was a that was a way to kind of, you know, temper down the, you know, the emotions, I guess, of a rivalry uh, because they had gotten into it very often. I was I'd, I'd seen one of them at Orange County, New York. I'm, I'm going out a little long here, but. They had had a tangle, and I and I swear there was like this woman. Like I, I called her, a, I, I can still remember writing this. I called her a troll-like woman, jumped on the side of Danny <laughs> Johnson's car. I swear she looked like a troll, and she a troll-like woman jumped on the side of Danny's car uh, as he was trying to come back after you know go back to his his trailer, and she was yell and, and she's yelling at him like you. You took out my friend. You hit my friend Brett, and you know, and Brett didn't even probably know this woman, but, uh, but <laughs> just a fan. And, and she's like, "You took out my friend," and then there was another guy saying, "You gave me almost gave me a heart attack because what you did to Brett." And I'm like, "Geez, these are you know, there, there's people, fans from both sides that are into this rivalry." And so that's that's one rivalry, man, that was really heated for a lot of years. That I mean, even fans got into and. But there was that that motorized barstool deal that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a good one. I remember you've always said that those two were you know always were duking it out there in the nineties. I would say oh, yeah. for late model racing, I mean Billy Moyer and Scott Blumquist. I think it's just more like media hyped and fan hype. Like which one's the better and who's the go? I don't think at the time they were really necessarily thought each other's as rivals. 
yeah, they would race a whole bunch together, but I would say historically, for the most part, they were racing their separate ways. I mean, Bloomquist, yeah, ran right the summer nationals, but I, I, they're not racing as much as they do now together. I feel like they had their different segments, summer nationals, Midwest, cherry picking that some people call Billy Moyer, which is a big time crime. And then, you know, Scott, he went all over too, but I didn't think they raced as much together because now they have national series and you can race with somebody 60 times a night. I don't think that was happening much back then, but towards the later of the career, it was definitely media and fan driven on who's the go. Good rivalry on a local level, sportsman and division at Fairbury, Joel Funk from the Dwight area and uh, Jason Unzicker, Ryan Unzicker's older brother, those two and their fan bases just every Saturday night. Birds are being thrown, tossed at each other uh, to their fans. I would say, you know, young D. Swab was a Jason Unzicker fan, so we'd be giving it right back to the to the Funk Nation. But if there was 20 sportsman races that year at Fairbury, all 20 were won by those two drivers, and they are always constantly battling it and duking it out. So uh, I would say that was one of the bigger rivalries in the at the local level that will always stand out to me because it, it was pretty hatred like Duke, North Carolina. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if something happened last night uh, on Tuesday when we record this. And, you know, don't don't say any – don't blame us. We, uh, we always record on Tuesday. So hopefully nothing happens. It's just good, clean, and fun racing. One more thing. Uh, Kyle, we'll start off with you. So I think like going into speed weeks here, we were all wondering, uh, you know, who's going to be rookie of the year? Who's going to be chasing rookie of the year in the Lucas Oil late model dirt series? And uh, I've uh, rounded up uh, eight guys who are uh, at least thinking about it. And uh, I guess you would classify Bob Gardner, right, as a possible Lucas Oil Series rookie, right? I mean, he's he's 46 years old, but he put down a loyalty deposit, and he's never run a national tour. So I guess uh, you know, he'd be one of them. But Brendan Smith, I talked with him, uh, the 18-year-old from uh, Dade City, Florida, not not uh, too far from Alltech. And uh, you know, he's all in on the tour from what he told me. And then Corey Loyler, uh, the 22-year-old here from Pennsylvania, uh, Kovac and I's neck of the woods, uh, you know, he's all in as well. Um, really, or he uh, has everything lined up to run the tour and Daniel Adam, uh, as well, Drake Troutman, um, you know, he would like to run a tour this year, either of the outlaws or the Lucas Oil series, Ethan Dotson's in that mix too. Uh, but he said that he's more so leaning toward the outlaws right now. Tony Jackson Jr., he's all in, uh, the former MLRA champion. And then Dylan McCowan, too, he said he's going to see where he stands after the Show Me 100, but he's going to be following the Lucas Tour through uh, Memorial Day weekend there. So, hey, I mean, we have a, a, a pretty good – that's a pretty good crop of drivers there uh, from all walks of the sport and uh, from all different regions across the country. So uh, we'll just have to see how that all develops. It will uh, all pan itself out by the end of speed weeks of what drivers will be on the tour and what drivers won't. A lot of times those rookies take their uh, licks and wounds during uh, speed weeks. Uh, Kovac, huge news. Ben Johnson staying in Detroit. He's told the commanders. Oh, I haven't even seen that yet. Yeah, There we go. Breaking news. 
uh, I wish we could have cool breaking news like that and uh, during our podcast, but it was just football. I know. So, I, I had nothing. a feeling. I had a feeling that might happen because I mean, I, I'm not sure. Like, there's some guys that are better as as coordinators than they are uh, head coaches. You know, they're. I mean, they're just not like that personality to be a head coach. Right. But hey, so okay, is your let's go, let's go, is, run it back. Is, your, <laughs> is that your one more thing? Is how you're just going to go with this monologue of why Ben Johnson should stay and this like completely ruined uh, your one more thing? Because now you have to switch to something different. Nah, I, I'll stay. In, I'll stay in racing for my one more thing. <laughs> I just want to. I'll, I'll mention the uh, the last. It'll be the last speed weeks for crate late models that just happened at a. Uh, uh, winter nationals for late mo- crate late models at East Bay. Uh, they had three days of, uh, of crate stuff. You know, they had 91 cars showed up, you know, for the start of the week that, that Thursday. And, and, it, and this wasn't big money either. It was just like four, you know, 25 lappers on, on each day and the first two preliminary nights for a thousand to win and a 5,000 to win feature on Saturday. So we're not talking huge money, but man, 91 cars, they had a lot of a lot of crate guys wanted to race and race the last time at East Bay and, and a hell right. of a weekend for, for Kyle Hardy. You know, he swept all three. He had two preliminary wins and he won the feature on Saturday. Uh, he, he beat past Ashton Winger, who also had two preliminary night wins uh, for, for the lead in, in the finale and was able to get that. So great weekend for the Virginia driver uh, went down there and, you know, and, uh, you know, it gets, it gets three feature wins uh, at East Bay to, to close out. Uh, the winter nationals cl- uh, crate stuff, uh, you know, as long as, if, if East Bay doesn't get some incredible reprieve for 2025. For sure. How many late models are we getting there next week at East Bay? We're going to get to Ooh, 80. I, I, I have to say, I would think it has to be 80, right? I mean, we've been getting up around that. That's basically what we've been getting up for the last few years. Right. So with the last chance to, to run a winter nationals at East Bay and, uh, it, it would have to, I mean, I don't know about a hundred. I mean, I'm going to go back to the old days of a hundred over a hundred cars, but I mean, that's a lot of guys that don't qualify. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's even with 80, that's a lot of guys going down there. Just say that I want to be there because you're not going to, you're not going to be expecting to qualify too much when you have that many cars. So it, it they, but they want to be a part of it. You're going to want to be a part of the last one. My one more thing is I, no, he makes way too much money in racing. We've mentioned his name too many times. But if I could somehow get Brandon Overton to come work for Flow and all the broadcasts up in the booth, you know, or <laughs> doing interviews, like if you haven't seen it, I know a lot of people have watched the top two on social media. Go to Dirt on Dirt or Flow Racing, click on the full recap, and just listen to Brandon Overton uh, just talk about the unwritten or written rules of when the track's starting to tight, tighten up a little bit. It was an instant classic. Uh, Shout out to my boy Bo, uh, big sexy with a with just one of the top. I thought it was one of the top sound bites we've had in a while. He he was cracking me up and uh, <laughs> just please go watch it. That's all I have to say. Uh, so whatever we can do to get him in the booth and interviews and stuff like that, I'm all for it. But uh, please go check that out on Flow Racing or Dirt on Dirt uh, Brandon Overton, who finished fourth uh, on Saturday night, gave his uh, gave his thoughts and what can or cannot happen when the track gets like that. So go be sure to check that out. Um, well, Speed Weeks continues. We had Bubba last night, uh, the finale here tonight at Ocala. I guess not Bubba anymore, Ocala. We got to call it Ocala. A new name, new uh, a lot of new stuff there. Re- reshaped the track a little bit, worked on it a little bit. Uh, let's see if it produces good racing. Then we go to All Tech. And then next week, when we talk to you again, we'll be at East Bay. We cannot wait for that uh, as we do the final 
can't believe I'm saying this. Sadly, saying the last Winter Nationals uh, down there at East Bay. Be sure to get down there. It's going to be a show. A lot of chaos is going to happen. I'm sure Friday and Saturday will be an absolute madhouse. But uh, Speed Week coverage continues on DirtOnDirt.com and Flow Racing. A lot of good stuff happening on both websites. Be sure to check them out. Until next week, this is the Dirt Recorders. <laughs>